I'm getting better, Shiva. Um, <laughs> we are Erev Yom Kippur, uh, which, yeah, literally Erev Yom Kippur now, which is the, Erev means the day before Yom Kippur, so we know that the day in, Judah, in Jewish uh, belief starts sunset to sunset. Um, and it's like really one of the most powerful times of the year right now. Really, really one of the most powerful times of the whole year in the sense of the opportunity available to us and the power to change. And if we use it the right way and we understand what's going on, you know, I always talk about the holidays with uh, the idea that if you, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people unfortunately don't understand, they don't know about the holidays. So they see it as these traditions that you do and it's kind of boring and you do these customs and you have to just get through it, especially on Kippur with the fasting. You just get through it and then you're okay, you know, like as opposed to putting on the spiritual glasses and really seeing like what's available and what's going on and like what is the, what is the power of the holiday. Like there's a catching the light, sort of spiritual light or the, the potential of a holiday and understanding like what the power of it is to transform myself. So if I know how to engage it and I know how to tap into it and I know how to think about it, so then I'm aligning myself with the power of that particular holiday and I don't have to just like go through the, these like empty rote kind of, we call it FFH from, from habit, you know, um, just like go through the motions, which a lot of observant people do. They don't even know the deeper, but I don't know. I, I grew up totally, totally not observant and totally not connected. So at the age of 30, I wasn't going to connect to anything unless I really was inspired by it or believed in it or, or saw the value in it. So, um, so it's really exciting to discuss Yom Kippur and to do, be able to do it like a, a meditation at the end that hopefully can give clarity and still allows you 24 hours to quickly get on the phone and maybe make amends and do different things after whatever it is if you realize something or not. Um, okay. So um, I want to go through the basic spiritual structure of Yom Kippur and like what's going on on the day um, and a key, like some things that I just find inspiring about it that keep, that keep me going through it. And, um, and, and, then, and then talk about what, what, what's possible and like what, what the meaning is of all these things. So, a lot of people think the point of Yom Kippur is... Also, what's the point? Atone. Huh? Atone. Atone, which really means... Like, what does that mean? These are all good words. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. So, what, but what's the point of that? Like, why are we having a day of forgiveness in the middle of the year? The beginning of the year, but... Right, starting with a clean slate, so we have a renewal of the year, start with a clean slate, um, which is true, all of this is true, there's nothing wrong with this, but again, it's connected to a deeper idea that like, how does it do this and what is this about? It's about identifying with the core essence, did you say essence before, what did you say? Repentance. Repentance. The, it, it starting with the, the core essence of my soul and remembering that I'm a soul, basically, like meaning that my purity of who I am and my absolute inner essence is that I am this pure soul. Now, I can only get to that if I strip away all the external layers that I usually hide behind and I usually pretend and cover up and I'm not in touch with myself and I'm busy and I'm distracted and I'm not thinking deeply because I'm too busy and I'm on my Insta story. And like, you know, like until, how on earth do you get access to such a deep part of yourself? Like, we don't know, so Hashem knows. So Hashem sets up a system where on Yom Kippur, exactly in the right time of the year, 10 days in, he sets it up so that, sorry, uh, yeah, 10 days in? Yeah, 10 days in. 10 days in, where he sets it up so that all these things are going to support us accessing the depth of our own soul. So that we start off the year coming back to that purity that we can come from as much as possible, right? That's what, like, that's what creates the blank slate. Now, the way we get there through the layers is through 
is through the halacha. The halacha sets up, all of Judaism, by the way, the Jewish law, halacha means Jewish law, sets up the system so that the spirituality can come through. A lot of people say, like, oh, I'm not into Jewish law, but I'm into spirituality. Like, a lot of people say that and feel that. They, they, don't, they don't know, they don't realize that the halacha is there to support the spirituality. They're not separate at all, but we just don't understand the connection. And obviously, if you saw the connection, so then you would feel differently about it, right? You might choose not to do everything, but you would feel differently about at least looking at how to approach the law, right? And how, what, what is there? It's not just there just to do this, you know? Okay, so the, the, what you get out of Yom Kippur is directly correlated with the level of effort you put in, right? If you imagine your soul like a pipe, like literally like a pipe to God. And throughout the year when we do things that really are not our higher self, they're our lower self, right? They're more animalistic. They're really us not on a good day. We wouldn't want people to really see us like that when we're angry, we're irritated, where it's short, you know, short, short-tempered, when we're rude, when we're speaking gossip. You know, all these things we don't really like to acknowledge in ourselves, but we do. So it throws mud in the pipe. Meaning it starts to block you spiritually the more you invest and engage and fuel your lower self. Right? The more you fuel the lower identity inside of you, the animal, the more it disconnects you from your higher self. So the more, right? It makes sense, logically. So the more you have this pipe and then the more you ignore the spiritual place, is your higher self, the more you connect with your lower self, the more you block your pipe. So even, even things we don't understand block your pipe. For example, eating totally tray food, right? We don't, we don't understand what about it, but we, it blocks our pipe. Um, and that blocking of the pipe makes you slightly, again, like in little increments, a little bit more disconnected, a little bit more disconnected, a little bit more distant, a little bit more. It's like harder to feel the higher self when we do that. So Yom Kippur comes along, and it's like a literally a mikvah. Describes, Yom Kippur is described as a mikvah. It's a spiritual bath on Yom Kippur where God comes down and like washes away that mud just for free just to be nice because he loves us and wants us to give us a chance each year to renew ourselves and keep trying and it's just it's like such a gift it's so beyond this world of like cause and effect it doesn't make sense at all that that would happen right that that spiritually he's bringing down this mikvah to wash away our mud there's only one problem have you ever seen dried mud in in a pipe and you pour water through it what happens doesn't do anything it goes around the mud and goes down right but the mud is dried and stuck to the pipe (coughs) so what's the what's the way to get rid of it how do you get rid of the mud yeah loosen it how do you how do you loosen mud if you had dried mud on if you dried food that you cooked the night before on a pot how would you get rid of it you just turn the water on it doesn't do anything to the dried food on the pot what do you scrub it you have to use elbow grease you have to it's have to do the tough work and you have to scrub it so God says, so guys, you have to scrub. So what's the scrubbing? What's the scrubbing? Huh? That's one type of scrubbing. It's actually a different, is it a type of scrubbing? I'm not sure if it's a type of scrubbing. Yeah, it's a type of scrubbing. That's the, probably the main type of scrubbing, but it's also, fasting is a very important one that does more than just that. There's, there's other work to do before the day of Yom Kippur. That's on the day of Yom Kippur. That, 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 gets you prepared to receive the water to clean out. What's the work? Looking at your past and how you can Doing the inner improve. work. You doing the inner work. What do I need to improve on? What needs to be corrected? Did I speak gossip about that person? Do I, do I need to make amends with that person? Did I hurt that person's feelings? Do I owe money back to someone else I borrowed and I forgot? Do I need to return the, the thing? Do I need to stop making personal phone calls at work? <laughs> I hate to say it. I'm stealing my life with you. Okay. Stealing time from work. 
right? Do I need to stop taking their pens home, using all their stationery and photocopying for my own personal account? Like, whatever, I'm just saying, reviewing, these are just common, by the way, these are just very common things people do, but in, the, in Jewish law, they're considered taking from the company, unless you have permission, which you have permission, it's different. But these are just different things. Like, do I need to, how, how do I need to fix my life so that I better, am I, I'm in better balance with my higher self? That's really the question. Obviously, a lot of it's been Adam Lachavera between us and others, making corrections between us and our relationships. My parents, how do I treat my parents? What do I need to improve on? I did a whole thing on Insta story on Kibbut the Aim, honoring your parents, because it's the hardest, often hardest, the relationship to work on, because they're the closest. But at the same time, it's really one of the most important, if not the most important. If you're not married, it's the most important, right? So what do I need to focus on there? And again, it's not, it's not, it's not, not so obvious. You have to learn about what that, the honoring your parents really means. It's not just doing whatever they say, right? It's not just doing whatever they want. It's not, it's just, it, it is about being respectful, but I, I left a whole, a whole little story on that, but it's gone now because it's 24 hours there. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so tough. Um, so there is a good book called The Fifth Commandment, <laughs> which you can buy. But I, I, I always feel like you should save the stories, right, and put it on the highlights. I just learned how to do that. I just did that, yeah. Um, Okay, so, so what is it? that I, The more I, I prepare for Yom Kippur by thinking through, by reflecting on my life, by looking at my friendships, I literally go through, like my fam- media family, my cousins, um, my people who live around me, my neighbours, my, you know, like, you don't think of your neighbours usually, but sometimes it's the most annoying woman next door who, like, always takes the, whatever it is, the paper for, like, I don't know, whatever, like, right, the person, I don't have an annoying woman next door, but... I'm saying, like, right, it's that person that you would never think of to, to do something. And it might be that it's weird if you go up and say, hi, I just want to say sorry for, you know, getting annoyed because she doesn't know you're annoyed. So it might be that you take her a little, like, Shana Tava apple and honey thing, right, and just be where you were irritated and negative, just correct it with positive. Sometimes you can do that, right? If you've hurt someone, you probably need an apology, need to give an apology. And if you don't know, if you hold a grudge, so it's that person when they walk in the room, you're like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to talk to them. That's called a grudge. Because right, you have a, you have a block in your heart and you're like, no, nah, I don't want to talk to them. Like, <laughs> hi. <laughs> like that, that feeling of like, like oh my gosh. Don't see, or when you see someone in the street and you don't, don't want to speak to them. <laughs> right? That feeling, that, that's all little indicators like it might be you're holding a grudge somewhere. Right? So just, just checking. The more, I do, the more I do the work, the more I <coughs> call people, email. If you can't call, then email. Email's not, not as confronting. But it's so worth an email. Right? Just to attempt. Your attempt counts for everything. Even if they don't respond, even then the more when Hashem brings the water, the, the, the spiritual water, the light, it can wash away that mud because it's loose, right? It's a loose mud. You've done the work and Hashem's like, it's gone. And what's crazy is it wipes it off your spiritual slate as if it never happened. It's not on your spiritual slate anymore at all. So that is the starting anew. That's why we can start anew for the year. Because we did the work, God wiped it away and it doesn't exist, right? Bless you. Um, okay, going a bit deeper. What are the five? There's five steps to doing full teshuva. This is called the process we're talking about making amends, correcting. It's called teshuva. Teshuva comes from the word, to, it means, the word teshuva means, do you want to know? To return. To return. Literally means to return. To return to what? Your pure self. Your pure self. I'm returning to my pure self. That's the essence of the day. The day is not about being bad. The day is not just about suffering. The day is not, right? It's not about all that. It's not like I have to suffer because I'm bad, so I have to atone. And if the more bad I feel about myself and my life, the, more, the better the day. No. It's about how do I get back to this purity that I am, 
that I forgot about, right? <coughs> so there's five steps to doing real tshuva. Number one, you have to admit it. You have to admit you did something wrong. And by admit or confess, it means it's so hard sometimes to say, Hashem, I'm really sorry I spoke Lashon Hara about Joe. There's no Joes in the room, right? Is there? No, I just made that up. But I spoke Lashon Hara, I spoke gossip about someone, and I know it was wrong, and I really feel bad for it, right? That, that's admit, but it's hard to say that. It's hard to admit to yourself. It requires a humility to say that. So already one of the layers has fallen away just by admitting, right? Because it's, it's hard. Like, what do you mean? Nothing wrong with me. Why, she should apologize first. Like that whole ego thing are the layers, the layers we put up that can disconnect us from ourselves. Okay, Hashem, I'm really sorry I spoke Lashon Hara about so-and-so to so-and-so, about her, whatever it is, yeah? I have to admit it. Number two is I have to feel real regret. Now, that's hard sometimes, but sometimes we don't regret things, right? Sometimes we don't regret. But regret comes from realizing what could have been and what I didn't bother to do. What could have been the reality and what I didn't bother to do or what I overdid and I, I ruined it. And I regret that it had this outcome. I regret that it had this impact and that I had something to do with that. It's not saying you're only in the wrong. It's just saying I regret that this was the impact of my particular action in this situation. I regret it. I don't want that to be the outcome. So I have to feel real regret. And admit, by the way, admit can mean um, you have to admit it aloud to God and aloud to whoever. If it involves someone else, these can be also things you did just against you, between you and God, or it could be also obviously between you and others. But either way, it's just between you and God. Like I know there's so many times I forgot to say thank you after I ate something to God. So many times. And I, I really try to say thank you. Uh, there's blessings for after, blessings that I'm committed to that I try and do every time. And there's so many times I just scoffed my face and ran out. And then like maybe three hours later, I went, oh, I forgot to say an after bracha. Oops. Right? As opposed to just like in that moment, I just wasn't grateful. I was disconnected. I'm not beating myself up like I'm a bad person. I'm just saying, oh, I forgot to say thank you. I'm sorry. Right? I don't want to be that person. I want to be someone who's grateful and conscious and aware as much as I can. That's Okay, so you have to regret. Number three, you have to stop doing the thing. I know that sounds obvious. You have to like just stop doing it. Like whatever it is you're doing, you really just try and stop doing it. Number four, this is where you have to make amends. This is the email or the phone call, if you have to make the call. You have to, you have to fix up any damages. So say you've some, you borrowed someone's blow dryer and you broke it. And you justified it in some way. It wasn't really your fault. It was kind of broken. It was making a weird sound anyway when you got it. Not really. Yeah, it's, it's old. How long, did, how long ago did you really get it? Like seven years? Okay, so like it's not really... I'm just making this up, but, right? But you have to make them... If you broke something and it was in your, when it was on your watch and you were using it, you really owe the money to, or to replace it, right? So make them in to be okay. I'm just going to go out and buy the blow dryer because it's, A, it's not worth the, the shalom between me and a friend's a blow dryer, right? I don't know if you, we had a quote we just put up. What apologizing doesn't mean that you think, what is it on Insta? Not that you're less. No. It's not that you're wrong. It's that you value the other person uh -huh. more than your ego. Exactly. I love your Love it, love it, love it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here we go. Wait, wait, wait. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's apologizing it. Apologizing does not always mean that you're wrong and the other person is right. It means that you value your relationship more than your ego. Mm. Right? So that's really what this is all about. And the fifth one is you make a promise to God that you really won't do it again in the future. Now the big question there is, what's the big question? What if you do it again? 
Yeah, what if it's a, there's a lot of things you're very likely to do again, right? So is the whole thing just an act? Are you just, are you just faking it? Oh, I want to win again, but deep down you're like, I probably will. Yeah? So it's very interesting. The commentaries talk about the fact that it's really where you're at in the moment. God only judges you where you're at in the moment, in the, in the now. So in that moment, if you really go through those things, especially Bidui on Rosh Hashanah, um, on Yom Kippur, right? If you're on Yom Kippur and you really connect with the sin, by the way, oh my gosh, this is so important. Go through the Bidui in the, in the, in the prayer book. You don't have to be in shul to do this. You could be at home and do it. You don't have to be in shul all day. Women are not obligated to be in shul ever. Did you know this? If we want to be, we can be. But you don't have to feel guilty that you're not in shul, right? Now, if you're not in shul and you're at home and then you start partying and watching TV, then maybe, you could, right? That's not a good thing. So if you know that shul will help me focus and I will pray better and connect better, then be in shul. But I know for me, sometimes I connect much better not in shul. Like I connect better at home. So I asked a very, very big rabbi about this and he says, what are you talking about? You're not obligated to be in shul. I was like, really? I don't have to feel guilty if I'm not there all day? You know, no. So, so you could do this at shul, at home, whatever, before Yom Kippur, right in the back of the maks or the way there's a, vid- there's a vidui, right, the confession that you do the, the, this. And in each se- the sections where there's the different sins written out, yeah, that you actually are confessing the whole of the Yom Kippur is this. Admitting, admitting, admitting we did stuff, but we're admitting as a nation. But you're also meant to insert your own, your own mistakes in there so that you really do connect emotionally to what you're saying. You feel the regret for the things that you did, right? Hopefully you're stopping doing it. This is Yom Kippur. And you're making amends, right? With Hopefully you've made the amends before. That's the scrubbing of the mud, right? And then you promise Hashem on Yom Kippur, I'm not going to do this again because in this moment I connect with who I am and my essence and I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that again. And the, to the degree that you really connect with that feeling, that I absolutely, in this moment, promise not to do this again. I really don't want to do it again. With all of my heart, you detach from that sin. I don't even like the word sin, right? Because sin in English is like, I don't know, fire. And I just feel like the mistake. Let's say mistake, right? I want to detach from the mistake. So the more you detach from the mistake, the more likely you are actually to change. So this whole process allows us to detach from the sin. Or from the mistake. Okay, that's five. Five steps to returning to your essence. Interestingly, it's five. The soul actually has five levels to it. Did you notice? Nefesh, ruach, neshama, asiya, yechida. There's five levels of the soul. The nefesh, the lowest level, is connected to very physical desires and physical physicality, the nefesh. The ruach, which is more um, uh, the heart, Right, it's, it's the part of the soul that connects to the heart. The neshama, as we know, sits in the intellect and is the is the soul. As we often use the word neshama, it's a higher as our higher faculty. And the last two we don't get access to usually. Asiya and yechida we don't get access to. Right, yechida is connected to the oneness of everything. Echad yechida, right, from the same root. But asiya is also like there's a higher two higher levels we don't get access to. And interestingly, there's five services on Yom Kippur. You notice the repetition of five. There's five steps back to your essence. There's five services, there's five, because there's five levels of the soul, and it turns out there's five halachas you should keep on the day as well. Right? So everything's aligned with the soul. So all of it is about connecting to your soul in the most pure, pure way possible. The five services are kol nidres attached to marif, the night service. Morning service is chakras. Musaf is the extraditional service after chakras. Mincha is the afternoon service, and the extra service is ni'ila. It's going to freak you out. So cool. Ni'ila, every service as you go through Yom Kippur, opens the gate to the next level of your soul. Meaning, as the day goes on, even if you're not in shul, right? As the day goes on and you're fasting, 
We'll get to why fasting does that. But fasting allows the physicality to drop away and allows you to access only then. You're, even if you're hungry and you're like, well, how, many, how much longer, how much longer? Right, okay, fine. But that's a lower level of the nefesh going on. Right? The nefesh is the body, body part of the soul. It's like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm, uh, I'm tired. Uh. Right, so that's going on. Just allow that little yapping voice to be there. It's fine. That's the lower soul. And there's a higher part of you that's going on at the same time, that's getting cleaned away. And it's a mate, right? There's a lot going on in Yom Kippur, even if we're not aware of it. So as the services goes on, you get access to each level of the soul. And the ila, you get access into the core of your soul that you can never access the rest of the year, ever. Right? Meaning there's a, there's a level of connection, a level of depth. I highly recommend getting to a shul service for ni'ila. A shul service that gets what ni'ila is in a way. They're like, this, that's more serious, not just chatting and talking. Right? But ni'ila, you get into the essence of your soul. Into the highest level. <coughs> the five halachas of the day. We'll get to that, and then, and then I want to get to a meditation. The five halachas of the day, does anyone know what they are? I mean, it's treated like Shabbos, so everything we don't do for Shabbos, we, it's considered like, okay, that's a given, we don't do whatever level you keep Shabbos. But the five halachas of the day are, what's the first one you all know? Come on. Yeah, so no food and drink. Number two, anyone know? No leather shoes. Number three. No intimacy. Yes, no intimacy. Sex. Number four. No lotions. No what? Lotions. Yes, so no, we call it no anointing, but let's call it lotions, perfumes, makeup. Everyone getting a little bit anxious now. And the, the fifth one. No showering, no bathing. So I don't know exactly how it works, but the commentaries, Maharal goes into how each halacha connects even in with each level of the soul, detaching from the level of the soul. Each of these halacha, each of these halachas. The idea is that food, <coughs> food is the glue that keeps the soul in the body. When you eat, there's a, it, it connects the, the spiritual and the physical. Two polar opposites come in into the body and, and are, are connected. Meaning if you stop eating, after a while you feel faint. <laughs> and if you keep not eating, I mean, it, it goes through the physicality. It's not just spiritual, obviously. It happens with the, on the physical level, right? Low blood sugars and whatever. But it goes through the physicality. But if you stop eating, you get dizzy. And if you keep not eating, then you may actually faint. And if you keep not eating for a long enough period of time, your soul will leave your body, right? So food is the glue that keeps the soul in the body in this world and can anchor it into the physical because the soul wants to be much bigger than the body and wants to be out of the body, yes? So, so we see that no eating is really much a, very much a part of disconnecting from the body. It's interesting that um, Yom Kippur is considered, one of the names of Yom Kippur in the, in the, the literature is uh, Shabbat Shabbaton, like the Shabbos of Shabbos. It's called that. And everyone's like, why? What's this got to do with Shabbos? So it says, what's Shabbos? Shabbos is where you rest from the create, creating. Like you rest from Malacha, which is the law, the laws of creating. And on Yom Kippur, you also rest from eating and drinking. Meaning you rest from the laws of creating so we can detach from the physical world so you can have a spiritual experience on Shabbat. That's the purpose of the detaching away, right? From the, from the, the, the creative law, the creative um, Malacha. <coughs> So you can, you can separate away from your world. I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to look at Facebook. I'm not going to look at whatever, Instagram, so that I can feel myself in a different place. That's really the purpose of Shabbat. 
So on Yom Kippur, we take it one step further and we totally step away from the eating, from the physical, from the physical level completely, so we can be in our soul spiritually, like without any physical distraction. It's amazing what happens when you just get up and you don't have to shower and you don't have to do makeup, you don't have to do moisturizers, you don't have to do but bathing, you don't eat anything. Like, can you imagine how much stuff, how much time is removed from just even thinking about that? Right, so it's a, t- it's a day totally on that focus. All right. Um, a little cool thing that I, I read that Purim and Yom Kippur are deeply connected. Yom Kippurim, right? Yom Kippurim, Purim. They're deeply connected and they're both, they're two days of the year where you, where, where you can be your true self. Right? The rest of the year, you misrepresent yourself in different ways, even to yourself. And it's very curious that it's about the same thing, but they get there completely differently. So usually in life, we wear masks, right? We wear masks, the way we show ourselves to other people and what we are and what we... People like to put together this perfect mask that we're great. We've all got it together. There's nothing wrong with me, right? We put, together, we put up these masks, but that hides our own faults and we gloss over them. And we don't say things if it doesn't fit in with how other people think. And like we hold back, right, who we really are most of the year. We just do. That's what we do. But the goal of Rayon Kippur and Purim is to remove the mask. That's the goal, to remove the mask, not to be covered up with all these layers. To remove the mask and be truly you from the inside out in the deepest way possible. That is the goal of both days. So what do we do on Purim? On Purim, we put on a mask. We dress up, right? Purim, we dress up. The costumes and it's fun. Why? Because when I'm dressed up and I've got another mask on, that kind of allows me to be anonymous and I can say whatever I think. Right? When I project a different image to the world, whatever it is I want to be, or just having fun, then I no longer have to project my own mask. So I'm, I'm dressed up. I'm already projecting a different mask. So now I can truly be real. And then we drink. And it says wine in truth out. Right? Whatever. When you drink wine, you're more honest. So now even more honesty is coming out. So we put on a mask, we can act anonymously and say what we want, and then we drink and then even more truth comes out, and we access it through that path. Yom Kippur is the exact opposite. <clears throat> the other way is through this agitation. It's called Inui on Yom Kippur, and agitation, like we're not, we're not comfortable. So what happens when you're not comfortable through the day? It gets worse and worse, right? Nighttime, you're fine, you're good. You had your meal, you're all right, you just got to sleep. You wake up, just quickly see how many hours it is, right? But what happens through the day? It chips, away, it chips away at the veneer of perfection. Right? I look good. I've got my makeup. Everything's great. And then I wake up in the morning. I'm like, gosh, I look terrible. I can't do anything about it. Like, oh my gosh, I have to go out like this. I can't even wash my face. We don't even wash hands beyond the knuckles. After the bathroom, you just, you just wash to here. You don't even wash your full hands, right? Even that. Just wash whatever. If it's dirty, you just wash soap. You can... Yeah, you can wash if you need to, but we generally don't wash past here. You don't really need to. You're not touching anything. You're not not usually doing anything. So through the day, this chips away at your veneer of perfection. You feel a bit haggard. You feel tired. Your your defenses go down when you're tired, when you're dizzy, you're hungry, you're hangry, right? And you just get to be really real. It's really who you are when all these layers fall away. And you're no longer put up, put makeup and perfect, like, right? There's a, there's a very much a realness. Okay. Um, I'm not going to do that. The shoes, by the way, just as an interest thing, like people say, well, why not leather shoes? So leather shoes are considered, considered prop, the proper, comfortable you know, they're comfortable shoes. They're like a proper shoe, like a more, like a chashuv, like a, 
dig a dignified shoe, right? The Crocs and stuff we have are considered like, okay, we find them more comfortable, but really they're not like a proper shoe. So what's the symbolism of the shoe? The shoe is to the body what the, what the body is to the soul. The body is like the shoe to the soul, right? The body is what anchors the soul into a limited space. And the shoe anchors us down into more of like the, the bottom of your feet. It's dead skin. You've got calluses, the heel, it's the, it's the least sensitive of our body. So the foot is considered the most lowly spiritually. So what do we want to do? We want to take off our shoes. All of the prophecy, whenever anyone had prophecy in Torah, they were always without shoes, right? Take off your shoes. The priests served in the temple without shoes. They didn't want to be anchored into the physical realm. It was about moving up out of that physical realm, not connected into the most lowly physical level. So, so too, we remove any significant shoe and we just wear something just to cover our feet so we don't hurt our feet. But it really does suggest you shouldn't be too comfortable because nowadays you can get non-leather shoes. We're so clever that we create all these shoes that you can be, I, I love, oh, half my shoes are non, you know, I have Rothy's, we have recycled water bottles, you know, I have, um, right, Rochelle pointed yeah. that out, yeah, I didn't even know what they were. Um, like, I thought I was so cool, I bought these things on Instagram and Impulse Buy, and I walked into Google, and, and Rochelle's there, and she's like, oh my gosh, are they Rothy's? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, so cool, I'm like, what's cool about them? And so when I left, I quickly Googled it, like, what's, what's Rothy's? And it's like, made from six million recycled water bottles. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so cool, like, recycling. Okay. Like, I had no idea what they were. I just thought they looked cool. And you showed, I didn't tell you that, I was too embarrassed. Okay. Um, so, um, so, meaning we have such comfortable shoes that it doesn't really, it doesn't really help us anymore, right? But, but in the sense of, of, this is what we, when we are changing shoes consciously, it's about moving out of that physical realm. All right. Is can we this wear no shoes? Huh? Can we wear no shoes? You can. I think, yeah. You can even daven in no shoes, which is the halacha is to daven with shoes always. And you can actually daven in no shoes on this day. It's considered a, a much higher day. Okay. Um, is this making sense? Is this helpful? Just to give like some clarity around the equipment? It's like the equipment. It's the equipment of the day. Like why do we do stuff? What do we do? Anything you can do is... Anything more than you can do that you don't do is better than not doing it. Don't feel it's that right? If it's overwhelming, I mean, for sure you can do this with whatever it is that you're thinking. I think for sure people can do this. I just talked it through with someone. And we were like, okay, you shower at like five o'clock before the fast and then you shower straight after, after the fast. Same with moisturizer and makeup. It's okay. Like, not too bad. You know, it's not like days without showering. Um, but you see what happens when you let go of that physical realm. Like, be brave enough to connect with yourself in a different way, right? Was that a question? Yeah. Raquel? Okay, after you describe the reasons why we don't wear shoes anymore, what is the reason we do when we um, I think it's more, my understanding is, is that because it's more that you're standing there um, in a dignified way, standing before a uh, being that is very um, holy and, uh, like, if you went to a, a job interview, would you wear shoes? Why wouldn't you walk in barefoot? So you could say that about everything, like why fasting for sure, fasting for sure is about moving out of the physical. So technically we should have a whole spiritual ritual of fasting regularly. And you see, it's a brilliant question by the way, because you see with Jews, the non-Jewish path is that way. The non-Jewish path is that you separate away from the physical to go up to the spiritual with celibacy, with, with fasting, all sorts of things. They separate away from the physical and it's real. It's real. They really do connect in a holy spiritual way. For a Jew, it's the absolute opposite. 
our mission of our soul as a Jew is the exact opposite spiritually. It's to engage the physical world in order to lift it up. That is the primary purpose of a Jew. So that's why you see Shabbos, we pig out. I mean, pun intended, not intended. Um, right? I mean, sorry, that was, that was so bad. So sorry if anyone's listening. That was, oh my gosh, that was terrible. Okay. But, okay, lucky on the course. Um, that, was ter- that was terrible. What, that is a term, right? Do you yeah. use that? Yeah. No, okay, pig out. But we, 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 we don't pig out at all, ever. We kosher out. And, um, but we, we have these beautiful tables set up and we engage the meal, but we wash our hands. Al Nesolasya Dayim, right? You've seen people do this before bread. So why do they do that? So on one level, they say, oh, because like we were like priests in the temple and your house is a temple, which is really beautiful. And the table's like an altar and you set out this beautiful feast and you're eating it in honor of serving something higher. So what do you do? You go and wash hands before you actually eat the first bite of bread, which covers the whole blessing for the whole meal, right? And when you wash your hands, you have in your hand a blessing of the hands. People lift up their hands only to last your dime. Have you ever seen this? They actually lift, they raise their hands sometimes a little bit. The goal is that I'm, the, the, the intention, the, the meditation really is that I'm using my hands. I'm going to eat, but I'm not going to pig out and fress. I'm going to use it in the elevation of something higher. I'm not just eating to satisfy my lower self, my nefesh, my animal that just wants to shove it in my face because, oh my gosh, hala, yum, right? It's not just I'm just feeling like selfish and self like an animal. I want to use it. I want to, I'm going to enjoy it, but I'm going to use it because I want to elevate the food, myself, the day, the meal. That's why it says you've got to speak some Torah at the table so it's not just about stuffing your face. It's about using the meal to be bringing in spiritual ideas. And then when you do that, all the meal is elevated. So a Jew's main purpose is to engage the physical and elevate it. And there's a few times a year or a couple times a year where we, we do step away from the physical to go up and to access a higher place because we need that. It's nearly like a recharge or a boost, right? That boosts us for the rest of the year, but it's not what we're meant to be doing all the time, right? And it's interesting because I just learned recently that on Rosh Hashanah, everything that is given to you for the year, blessing, health, money, opportunity, relationships, everything is allocated to you on Rosh Hashanah, right? That's what Hashem decides. You get a week after Rosh Hashanah, the 10 days, right? Because two days is Rosh Hashanah. The 10 days to, for Shem to watch you to say, is she really, does she really mean what she said on Rosh Hashanah? Like, are you really living up to your potential as much as possible? Realistically, within what your levels are. And then on, on Yom Kippur, it's sealed. Whatever was, was decided, right? On Rosh Hashanah. But what, it's allocated to you. But it doesn't mean it's coming down. What brings it down to you? You have to pray. You have to ask. You have to act in a certain way. You have to be receiving a blessing. Right? You have to be receiving a blessing. You have to be open to blessing. You have to be receiving a blessing. It's very interesting. The whole system is that Rosh Hashanah is allocated. A Yom Kippur is sealed. Every Rosh Chodesh, which is the beginning of the month, is shifted that month. That month's bracha is kind of allocated on Rosh Chodesh, the beginning of the month. month. Shabbat is allocated for the week. The, the bracha coming down for the week is allocated on Shabbat. And then Shafras in the morning, every morning, it's allocated for the day. It's very how the blessing or what's allocated to you comes down is like through the system of, with the Jewish cycle. It was very interesting. Um, okay. Any questions, comments, protests? <laughs> Makes sense? Is this new stuff, some of it, to you? Yeah. Okay. Any questions about teshuva, returning? Bye. Gamar Chasimatova. That means you should be sealed for a good year. That's what it means. You could just say gamlach, which means same to you. 
we'll speak. We'll speak. Um, any questions about Teshuva? Any of these questions? No. Perfect. So yeah, how is it? <laughs> so yeah, the mask, like the mask comes I down. Kinda, yeah. The mask comes down, and then you use it to cry. Use it to cry and say, "I don't want to be a mean person. I don't want to be ter- I don't want to be like this. I want to be able to connect to a diff- different part of myself." I mean, I do too. I relate to it. It's not. I don't think it's unusual. Yeah. The hangry thing, but um, but I use it. If you really allow yourself to tap into that part of you when you're like that, bathroom's upstairs. Oh no. I'm- oh okay. Um, when, when you really use it to, to tap into that part of you, you can use it to, to ask to, to be better and, and to apologize for anything that you feel that is not your higher, it's not reflective of your higher self. The, the really most important thing though on Yom Kippur is to not beat yourself up. It's not, even though we're doing this, literally beating ourselves up, you don't actually beat yourself up. It's, not, it's really, really important to know that it's not you that's bad, it's the behavior that you want to change, right? It's the behavior that it's not okay and it doesn't reflect who you are. It's really like, Hashem, I'm not that, that's not who I want to be. That's not who I am, right? I, I want to be, I, I am, I'm someone different from the person who acted that way. I don't want that. I don't want to speak gossip. I don't want to be, right, angry. I don't want to be disrespectful. I don't want to be not grateful. Are you freezing? No. Okay. I don't want to be not grateful, right? I don't want to be rude to my mom, even though she annoys me, right? I want to be appreciative. I want to just see through that. I don't want to be hooked into it. Help me grow. Help me become that person. I really want to... And when you're... It's just there's such a gift and such a help, a divine help on that day to feel these things in a real way that it plants it into you for the whole year. Right? Sometimes for about six months after one Yom Kippur, I had such a strong feeling in the Ela. I was exhausted, tired, hangry, blah, blah, blah. But in the Ela, the actual service... There was a place I got to, I don't know, it didn't happen every year, but just I got to it, I happened to get to it, I don't know how, where I was in absolute heaven. Like I just did not want to leave. I could have, stand, I could have stood there forever, forever. And it was at the end of the day. And next year I was like, couldn't wait for it. And I got there and it didn't happen. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so annoying, right? And I was just like, hurry up, I want to eat, right? But, but there's a feeling when you access, like say we don't, who needs to, there's, a, there's an idea that's kind of cute, but it's real that who needs to eat? Like I'm, far, I'm, I'm eating something else on Yom Kippur. There's a higher aspect that I'm eating, right? Which is I'm identifying with my higher self. That's really what we're going for. But it's okay if you don't, if you don't, you don't beat yourself up, right? You just say, okay, I'm, and I'm giving you my hangriness, Hashem. I'm gonna give that to you too. That's for you. I'm gonna give all of myself to you. The call of Achav, the call Meodecha, right? So, so I wanna serve Hashem with all of my heart. I had the most crazy, insane, inappropriate thoughts on Rosh Hashanah in Shul. Like, I can't even repeat it. Like, crazy, crazy, inappropriate, weird, out there thoughts about things I wouldn't think about any other time of the year, but I'm doing it on Rosh Hashanah in Shul. Like, you tell me if that's Yetzirah or not, right? And I was horrified at, like, what I was thinking, but I couldn't help thinking it and indulging it and indulging it and going with it more. And I was like, this is crazy on Rosh Hashanah. And then I went, it's all for you, Hashem. And with that, I serve you too. And as soon as I accepted which is a basis of meditation, right? As soon as I accepted whatever was going on, rather than resist it, resist it, freak out, oh my God, right? Accepted it and just say it's for you also, it, it just left, right? I serve you with this also. Okay, so let's, let's go in.